Welcome to the Wealth Standard Podcast with host Patrick Donahoe, author of the best-selling personal finance book, Heads I Win, Tales You Lose, and one of the nation's most influential financial advisors. The Wealth Standard's focus this season is investing. 2020 opened with markets and asset prices at all-time highs, but many of us experience more financial uncertainty now than we did a decade ago. Although there are more choices and opportunities than ever before, the risk-to-reward ratio teeters on a global fulcrum, contributing to the roller coaster of emotions surrounding financial well-being. It seems like everyone is walking on eggshells. This season, we'll cover topics revolving around investment theory and strategy, atypical investments versus conventional investments, and the role of investing within personal wealth strategies. The Wealth Standard Podcast is committed to inspiring you to be more financially free. There is no better time to gain clarity about your wealth strategy, your investments, and your financial future than now. Hi, everyone. Patrick here. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Uh, I'm doing this one solo. So there's going to be two parts. The first part is going to be probably number one and number two of the what I consider the top financial actions to take during times of crisis. And then part two will consist of the, the final three things, uh, the final three actions during times of times of crisis. You know, I felt it was important to speak about this. You know, the, the guests that I've had on over the last couple of months, right? We've all spoken to what's going on with regards to COVID-19, the disruption to the economy. Now, as I've had some time to digest, to think about what is going on, what are the ripple effects based on this rock in the water? How long is it going to last? What are they going to be? What to pay attention to? I'm finally ready to start speaking to that and things that you as an audience can do to prepare yourself to capitalize on the situation. So that's what I'm going to start into today. Uh, before I do that, listen, there's, there's a lot of updates that we've been making to the podcast. We're creating a resources page for you. That you can find at thewellstandard.com. It consists of some of the businesses of guests that we've had. It also consists of courses that I've done. There's a link to the, the book. If you haven't read the book, uh, it's to get it for free as well as the audiobook for free. There's just lots of resources on there. And I'm going to be mentioning some things today as well as the second part that will include some resources. So make sure you go and bookmark thewellstandard.com. Also, if you're on, not on the newsletter, we were sending out show notes, links, uh, updates that we're making. So make sure you go to thewellstandard.com and subscribe to that. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into it. So I'm recording this video on May 10th. And you know, as I look back over the last couple of months, the, the world has changed dramatically and it's happened so quick. You know, I remember 2008, 2009, where I was in some pretty rough shape, just starting a business and having the, the financial crisis ensue. It felt so quick. Like it was one week after another week and it just continued to get worse. Then it get better. Then it get worse. You know, it was like one step forward, three steps back. And right now I look at where we're at as a, as a society and it's been really interesting, right? It's easy to talk about the things that you can't control. Right? It's easy to, to put blame on media. It's easy to say this or that regarding where the virus came from and what China did or didn't do, what the president should or shouldn't have done. There's so many things that we focus our attention on that we have no control over. 
And, you know, and I got caught up in that and I, and I get it, right? It's, these are some dire times. And often when we start to hear statistics, hear sound bites, right? It, it kind of engages this unconscious part of, of who we are and we start to react to things. And I've caught myself, caught myself in that a, n- a number of times. At the same time, the last couple of months, the guests that we've had on and what we've talked about as well as some of the material that I'm reading, videos that I'm watching with, with a lot of time to study and reflect that I didn't necessarily have before, I've come to some conclusions, at least conclusions to the point of what you can do to influence your life right now. Some things that you can do, you can control, things to be aware of so that you can make the best of this. You can capitalize on this opportunity. So first thing I'm going to say is we're going to be experiencing some ripple effects. Now, what's a ripple effect? Ripple effect is you drop a stone in the water, a rock in the water. You know, you can even have an earthquake under the ocean and you have a tsunami, right? There's obviously a spectrum of how big a ripple could be, the magnitude of a ripple. And I, don't, I, I think that we don't realize that it kind of was an earthquake of sorts. It wasn't a pebble. It wasn't a rock in the water. It was kind of an earthquake. And the earthquake waves, I think, are still coming. So some of the statistics, you know, that represent this is if you look at quarter one, right? Quarter one is January, February and March, right? We only really had disruption to the first quarter in the latter part of March. And so if you look at productivity, right? There's different measurements of productivity of people, right? But the Bureau of Labor Statistics has a couple of them. It's down. It was down in quarter one by negative 2.5, which is huge. And then you have velocity of money. Velocity of money, not to get into the complexities of it, but when I spend a dollar at a coffee shop, the coffee shop then pays their employees and the employers spend money. And then the businesses that the employees spend money in spend money, right? So there's this money multiplier. But M2, you know, which is one of the common ways to measure velocity of money, right, has also gone down significantly in the stimulus that is done, whether it's quantitative easing since 2008, whether it's what they're doing right now, right? It's not working at all. I mean, it's, it's kind of like just keeping things at bay of sorts. We had some employment figures out, which was just shy of 15%, but it didn't take into consideration some critical weeks, right? And so there's estimates that unemployment is 20%, 25%, maybe even more when you count underemployed in there. GDP is going to take a massive hit just because nobody's out, nobody's spending. And that right there, I think, is going to be a big indicator as to how severe, what the magnitude of this earthquake really is. You know, I think the psychological impact that we've experienced, right, where I was talking to my parents, my parents live in Massachusetts, and it's different here in Utah, but in Massachusetts, you know, we have a term and, you know, I'm from Connecticut, partly from Massachusetts, you know, there's a term called mass hole, and it's totally coming out when it comes to masks, right? So my dad got like chewed out by these old ladies when he was standing in line and he goes down the wrong aisle or doesn't go the right way in the aisle, right? Just crazy. Like the the psychological damage where people are so afraid and whether there's reason for that or not, it's just the fact that there is psychological damage associated with people washing their hands, wearing a mask, right? So there's some psychological things that are going to really inhibit business, whether it's theaters, transportation, just going to stores in general, people interacting, which I think is going to have long-term effects, right? You also have travel. We've become this really connected world, right? This idea of globalization where 
different countries are, are doing different tasks. We've created kind of a global supply chain because of, uh, because of it. Demand comes from this country, but yet a piece is manufactured in, in China, a piece is manufactured in Europe, a piece is manufactured in South America and Africa, right? And everything kind of comes together. That's all been disrupted. So the earthquake is hit, but we haven't really seen the waves. We've seen some ripples, I would say, or maybe some signals as to what's coming. And for me, before I get into a few of how this could be an incredible opportunity, I'm going to say that there's so many different reasons why we could be concerned for all of this. These are things that are outside of our control. Okay? And today's podcast, I'm going to keep repeating this, right? It's, it's based on things that are within our control, having the information that we have. It's powerful to look at this from how I view things because I've gone through some difficult times, but I think these are difficult times that nobody's ever gone through. So it'll be interesting to see how humanity rises to the occasion. We've talked about the idea of creative destruction, Joseph Schumpeter, right? The idea that when there's massive disruption, humanity rises. And I think humanity is going to rise. I know that they're going to rise. They've done it for millennia. They're going to do it again and figure out ways to be more efficient, ways to create product, ways to create new ways of being entertained. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. The biggest thing I would say is as this disruption occurs, it really occurs in a person's mind, right? About as far as what they think something means. And right now, I think the meaning of things is really being created by the populace, by the collective. And that's why it's really important to have your own individual perspective, information, trying to prove and disprove not just your opinion, but other opinions so that you can come to the truth. Because if you could do this, right, it is known that these are the times where the greatest opportunities are. And so I'm going to, I'm going to post this in the show notes, but there's a, a field of study called behavioral economics and behavioral economics, you know, talks about you know, how people behave around money. And I think that it relates to pretty much everything. It's just behavior in general, as far as stimulus and then response, what a person does given a set of circumstances that they are exposed to. And there is a curve, right? And the curve that I'm going to post is kind of like the investor mentality. But I was, I'd also say it's the business mentality because during these times, right? There's a story going on in people's minds. We're going to go back to the way it was. We'll be able to hang on for a month and then we'll do you know, a lot of business and be able to, to pick up there. Businesses are just going into the hole and going into the hole and going into the hole, right? Just kind of hanging on, hoping that things come back. And so this curve states that the point of maximum financial risk is where there is maximum euphoria, right? Which you can imagine. And it's the whole idea of like, nobody buys low and sells high. Everybody buys high and sells low. And I'm going to link to a, a report that I often post at my other company, Paradigm Life, posting our e-learning and our courses called uh, the Dalbar Report. Dalbar is an independent research group that studies the average returns people receive. And it mainly alludes to the impact of human behavior when it comes to rates of return, not necessarily market indexes. And, uh, and I'll, I'm going to post that in the resources section that I mentioned earlier in the show. You know, but these emotional stages at euphoria, right, where everyone thinks everything's amazing. I think this is kind of like right leading up to 2020. I think 2019 was like an amazing year for people, for investors, for markets, for businesses, right, for capital, right, and liquidity. But then now I would say, you know, this is the next stage of the curve, which is anxiety, right? The next stage of the curve is denial. 
Okay, so I think there's some anxiety right now. You start to see sell-off. Okay, but now there's kind of like, I need to get back to work. You see people protesting, right? So anxiety, denial, right? Denial that this is going to have a long-term impact. Fear is the next stage. Then it's desperation, right? And I think these three are really the ones to pay attention to. Denial, fear, and desperation, because they can kind of oscillate back and forth. After desperation is panic, okay? I don't think we've seen that yet. I don't think we've seen desperation yet. But then there's the next stage, which is capitulation. Okay, that maybe this business isn't right for me. And you start to see people bow out, file bankruptcy, quit, retire early. Then you have despondency. And between despondency and the next phase, which is depression, this is the point of maximum financial opportunity. So as you can see, this curve, right? And of course, there's other perspectives as far as this is concerned, but I would say this curve is pretty consistent with how humans behave, right? I think most of our behavior is unconscious, it's pre-programmed, and we operate in a very similar similar way. That's why this field of study has been created, right? So that is what I'm going to say is number one, as far as what you can do right now to prepare yourself to capitalize on this opportunity, which is state and mindset. Okay. So state and mindset, right? So I consider this kind of like being the watchman at the gate of your mind. What does that mean? Well, I've tried to structure the way in which I lead, the way in which I do podcasts, I speak, I show up for my family, I show up for myself is in a sequence. And the, and the sequence is state, story, strategy. So state. State is something I've discussed in the podcast in the, in the past, right? But state is a function of our, our physical well-being. It's a function of where we're focused. And it's a function of the language that we use, how we describe things, right? There's a difference between like, oh, crap. And wow, this is interesting. Even though it can be applied to the same situation. I also look at focus. It's what I have, not what's missing. What I've gained, not what I've lost. Because you can look at anything, any situation, any circumstance, and find that there is something you will gain from it. At the, at the same time, most people, right, because this is all unconscious, right, gravitate toward what they've lost, right? So state. For me, what I've focused my attention on and improving is my leadership capabilities, my leadership state, and being in a zone so that I show up for my team, I show up for the audience, I show up for my family, because I know that most people are not going to respond in a strategic way. They're going to respond in a carnal instinct way. And so how do you do this? Well, first off, you got to recognize that there's definitely going to be way more bad news than there has been already. And a lot of it's going to be economic. And then the economic is going to cause even more ripple effects, right? So it's like main ripple effect and then multiple ripple effects. As some of you know, who've been listening for a while, you know, we had during this whole like shutdown, you know, we started to shut down. I sent my office home literally like the day after we had an almost 6.0 magnitude earthquake. You know, I was here in the office. I was the only one. Like the building was shaking and swaying back and forth. It was crazy, right? But the reason I brought that up is that there's been aftershocks. There's aftershocks, like they're still going on. It freaks my wife out and freaks my dog out. We had an aftershock last night. And so for, for me, I look at, we're going to get a lot of aftershocks. 
an earthquake hit, we're going to have tsunami, we're going to have ripple effects, and we're going to have aftershocks. And then those are going to carry ripple effects as well. So the worst has not been seen yet, in my, in my opinion, from an economic standpoint. And I look at being prepared right now, being in the right state of mind, it is going to position you to create tremendous value for people and capitalize on just some amazing, amazing opportunities. Because people will identify leaders more in this environment than any other environment. In the euphoria environment, it's difficult to stand out as a good leader. In times of crisis, when difficult decisions need to be made, that is when true leadership steps up and is identified. It's kind of like the yin and the yang. It's like the more severe the state of things, the environment, and the more it creates like, wow, that person is an amazing leader. So it has another, the other end of the spectrum is also extended, if that, uh, that makes sense. But listen, right now, you know, we're, we're seeing murder suicides, we're seeing home invasions, we're seeing suicides, we're seeing tons of crime, people are going stir crazy, right? The emotional intelligence that exists in people is really low. And what that does is it presents a huge opportunity for you to step up as a leader and help a lot of people just with who you are in the state that you're in. So the idea of state leads to story, right? When you're in the right state, right? When you're looking at glass half full as opposed to half empty, what you have versus what's missing, what you're grateful for as opposed to what you haven't been given or what you deserve, right? Or you feel entitled to. It's also one of those ideas of words, right? Because words describe what our story is. Okay, what words are we using? Okay, are we using unbelievable or are we using this is horrible, right? Because unbelievable, right, is a word that can connote whether you know good or bad. At the same time, it doesn't have the tone or the, the psychology piece to it to be bad, right? So it's carefully choosing your words. Again, being the watchman at, at the gate, not letting those thoughts come in, knowing how to position yourself so you can do something about it. And then the final thing that I would say in regards to state and mindset is another kind of sequence. Actually, let me go back to strategy. So state story strategy. So the state that you're in, your physical well-being, what you're focused on, the language that you're using, the story that you're telling, right? What is going on? It's disruption. This is a great opportunity. I have a lot of opportunity to serve. And then finally, it's strategy. Now it comes down to the how. Okay. And how is, I would say, you first define what the how is. What is the outcome that you're looking for? Right. And then you start to create your game plan based on that. But you don't create the game plan before you're in state and then have the right story associated with it. Okay. And then the final thing is during this, another sequence that I've been using a tremendous amount, especially when it comes to financial advising, is principles, processes, and product. Right. So principles, right? Principles are, I would say, laws of sorts. Okay. Gravity is a principle of nature, right? I think honesty is a principle of morality. You also look at other principles when it comes to finance. Okay. Interest rates, valuations. Okay. There are principles out there, right? They can be identified. Uh, there's also principles of just commerce, exchange, okay? exchanging with one another, exchanging your services and getting something in return. You also look at principles in people, right? People are the true assets. I look at relationships as some of the most valuable assets. Then it's processes, right? Which is the structure of things. And this is going to be number two because so number one is state and mindset. Okay. Number two is going to be, going to be structure. The reason why I want to use structure as number two 
right? Is because there's only so much energy we have during the day, right? It's kind of an allotment of energy. And obviously, keeping yourself healthy, keeping your head right. And I'm going to get into some structure and some strategy right, right now as far as how to do that. But being able to have energy focused on the dynamic, right? Not the reoccurring or recurring, but the dynamic, right? Is powerful. And that's why structure is powerful because you can set yourself up so that you don't have to think about certain things. Things are done in a certain way. You have a routine, you have habits, which allow for all the energy to be focused on dynamic things, the day-to-day decisions that you maybe didn't have to make the day before, the decisions for opportunity, the decisions for new content, the decisions for ways in which you can be a better leader and actually do those things. It's establishing essentially a structure so that all of the routine things that you do on a daily basis are pre-programmed, right? So you don't have to waste your energy on that. An example I heard, you know, maybe to, to illustrate this point is when we get up in the morning with an alarm clock, the dan, 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 the buzz, when that goes off, it ignites in every human being, right? An adrenaline rush because our like DNA associates that like sound, dang, 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 the same way it would associate being attacked by a saber toothed tiger, right? 10,000 years ago. And so when that happens, it jars us out of bed and expends the majority of our adrenaline, testosterone, whatever you know, those chemicals they are used to respond, have our body respond that way, are expended for the day, and they're gone, right? So there's you know a strategy there as far as waking up with peaceful music, right, which doesn't necessarily waste that really valuable chemicals, those valuable chemicals that you expend, and allows you to apply those at different points during the day. All right, so structure, so. What I would say, and this is what I would challenge you guys to do is, is start to establish a structure for this summer, right? Because the next three months, I think, are critical. I believe that some of the hardest times are going to come after the reportings from Q2, right? So Q2, quarter two ends in June, right? And the reports usually come out mid-month, mid to end of July. So creating all of this right now is going to prepare you. So when a lot of these things go sideways, you will have structure. You're not trying to figure it out then, if that makes sense. So like I said, optimizing your energy. So on last season of the podcast, Craig Ballantyne, who wrote The Perfect Day Formula, this is definitely applicable now. Some of you maybe had your routine and it wasn't necessarily as valuable as it should be. Revisiting daily routine, okay? structuring your day, structuring your priorities. Okay? Perfect Day Formula from Craig Ballantyne is ideal for that. because. Craig is a genius at that. He's done it with so many entrepreneurs and business owners. Okay? It's a short book and it's so stinking simple. Okay? So Perfect Day Formula is a resource there where you can start to structure your day and you systematize the predictable. So let me say that again. So systemize the predictable. There's a saying that we started using with my other company, Paradigm, as far as how we're operating and what we're looking for as far as opportunities are concerned. And it's a saying by the Four Seasons Hotel, which is called systematize the predictable so that you can humanize the exceptional. And what that means is, again, as I mentioned before, it's all those routine things that you do on a daily basis. It's to set up structure for those things. One way in which I have reevaluated my goals, and I'm actually headed out of town today after I, I record just to get my family out of town. We got an Airbnb just south of here, but it's to finalize the redo of, of some of my annual goals. So the way in which I've done that is using what's called the, the wheel of life, which is kind of a self-assessment. So some of you maybe have heard of this before. 
and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But the wheel of life is essentially a wheel in which you rate the different aspects of your life, your physical well-being, your financial well-being, your mental well-being, spiritual, your relationships, your maybe I already said financial, your physical situation. You rate yourself there and it really starts to help you evaluate where are the areas that you can make the biggest difference in, right? And then you start to create your goals and your routine around that. Like I said, I'm going to provide those resources in the, in the show notes, right? But this is, this is important because I think the goals that you may have set toward the end of the year or in January, right? They're, they're probably not realistic anymore, given that the environment has changed, at least probably not all of them. So that's why I've reevaluated all, all of my goals. And so looking at really establishing where those goals are, that's going to help propel the daily routine. And like Craig mentioned or talks about in the perfect day formula, right? You can start to chip away at some of those goals and have something that's really simple to do on a daily basis and make those kind of micro improvements toward the end result. Uh, and then, you know, I would say the morning routine, as far as a structure is concerned, is huge. And so I've totally redone my morning routine. And it's something that, you know, I come to an office now and there's nobody here. It's completely quiet, dark. Everybody's working from home. You know, we have a daily stand up with my team, but it's given me the opportunity to have not have any distraction, right? Or disruption. You know, I always get the knock on the door when I'm in the, uh, the middle of something, right? And I don't turn people away. So it's one of those things where it's allowed me a lot of time to be very consistent with some of the, the things that I find valuable. So what I've started using is a, a neurofeedback device called Muse. And Muse is part feedback, part meditation. What it does is it allows you to really see where you're at when it comes to your mindset. It's not very expensive at all. I do it on a daily basis now. And it, what it does is it, it shows you where your brain activity is with sounds, right? So when you're really active and you're all over the place and thinking about this, 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 you're in an active mindset and it measures that by the severity of weather in certain environments. So you have to wear earphones associated with it, but you can have the desert, the rainforest, the ocean. There's just one that's general sounds. But when you are really active and not calm and not focused, right, the weather is all over the place. What it does is the weather kind of gets less severe and more calm, the calmer you get. And then eventually you have birds, right? Birds that start chirping when you are really calm and kind of in the zone. And I got to be honest, like there's days where I don't get any birds or one or two. And there's days where I get 50 and, and this is kind of like in a 10 minute time frame, right? But what it does, it gives you feedback so that you're not just like telling yourself stories. It gives you actual literal feedback so that you know where you're at and you know how much time and attention you have to focus on your meditation, your gratitude right? Getting kind of in, in the zone. So that's one thing that I've started doing. And now that I have my goals getting restructured, right? I'm sitting back. And once I'm kind of in the zone, I start to ask myself very strategic questions. I'm going to post these as well. But these questions, you don't have to ask them all in one day. I usually ask one or two per day. I learned this from Keith Cunningham, Keys to the Vault. And, and there's a, you know, a few other books that he's, that he's written. But the questions are very insightful. And I think asking yourself these questions in the wrong state can be catastrophic, right? That's why being in the right state, doing meditation, getting in that zone is, is powerful first. But questions like, what do I want? What do I really want? What in my control is preventing me from achieving that? What don't I see? What if I'm wrong? 
What is the result that I would be ecstatic about? How can I make the biggest difference today? How can I be the best conversation of somebody's day? Who do I need to call? Who do I need to write? Who would benefit from a conversation with me? This is a big one, okay? Maybe a whole thinking session dedicated to this. Why am I paid? Why am I really paid? What must I believe about myself to be paid more? What are ways I can go above and beyond what is expected that I am not paid for? And here's a few others. What is the least amount I can earn and live an unbelievable life? What am I spending money on that is not producing the result I really want? If I could devote time to just one thing today, what would it be? What about my life gave me tremendous enjoyment 10 years ago, but doesn't today? Is there an opportunity there? So these are just a few, but right, there's questions, these kind of profound, insightful questions that you can find online. Maybe I'll link to even more if you guys think that would be valuable, right? But these are essentially, you may not feel like it's that significant, but asking yourself these questions creates tremendous breakthrough and insight, right? As to where opportunities are. And the reason why I wanted to start here, these first two of five, right? Things to do in a financial crisis, right? Is because again, being in the right state, having the right mindset, and then structuring your day, right? So that all the different routine things that you do don't expend any unnecessary energy is because it will position you for making the best decisions given what's going on. So the next three are going to be cash and cash flow, dry powder, and investments and assets. So that's going to be part two. I wanted to cover this again because it sets the stage for where the opportunities are, right? Cash and cash flow, as well as dry powder, right? Which is more opportunity fund. If you guys are familiar with you know, the language I use in, in the book, uh, Heads I Win, Tails You Lose. And then finally, investments and assets. And we're going to revisit the behavioral economics curve when it comes to most, you know, the collective state of mind and where in that state of mind are the best opportunities and the worst opportunities to make a decision or take action on something. All right, guys, you guys are awesome. Thank you for listening into uh, to this week's episode. Again, go back to thewealthstandard.com. There's all the links to what I've mentioned here, whether it's the books that I mentioned, whether it's the Muse kind of biofeedback headset. I also have links to you know a few other uh, some of the episodes that I've done Craig Ballantyne particularly as well as the visual that I talked about which is the kind of behavioral finance or behavioral economics curve as far as how people make uh, emotional decisions and how that corresponds to their state of state of mind. All right, you guys are amazing. Listen, have a great week and we will talk to you next week. Thanks again for listening. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, thewealthstandard.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode 
and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Oh,